Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. Today for Spirit in Action, we're going to be part of the Juneteenth 2019 celebration in Eau Claire. Eau Claire is northern, a city around 70,000 inhabitants where people of color are a definite minority, unlike a number of the big cities of our nation. We didn't have our first African American on the city council till the early 2000s, for example. For those who don't know what Juneteenth Day is, and I think it's embarrassing how many of us know so little about it, it celebrates the point in 1865 when the last slaves way down in Texas found out that they were freed at the end of the U.S. Civil War. This was a pivotal point in our country, and it's a monumental moment for all of us, but especially poignant for the approximately 13% of our population who are black. And yet, it is almost unknown and uncelebrated by the vast majority in this country. So I wandered to Carson Park in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, to be part of a wonderful bringing together of people to remember the past, recognize the present, and to join our energies for a better future. This event is organized by an organization, Uniting Bridges of Eau Claire. A few months back, I interviewed Salika Duxworth-Lawton, an African-American history professor at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire and a civil liberties activist who is also part of Uniting Bridges of Eau Claire. Salika set me up with Scott Morfitt of Converge Radio, a wonderful local station where my Song of the Soul program is broadcast, and he's recording the full evening to be shared later. I'll bring you highlights of the evening, both speeches and some great music by Erie Soul. First up is Burl Middleton, president of Uniting Bridges of Eau Claire, and that first African-American Eau Claire City Council member I mentioned earlier. With thanks to Scott Morfitt of Converge Radio, let's set in on the 2019 Juneteenth celebration. Hello, Eau Claire! Hello! Can you hear me? Should I speak louder? Well, welcome to the 19th Juneteenth celebration for Eau Claire. So you know that uh, Eau Claire was the third city in the state now, there are 72 counties in the state of Wisconsin, right? Eau Claire, the third city in the state to formalize holding a Juneteenth celebration. So that makes us pretty unique in terms of leadership. So welcome all you leaders out here because without you, this wouldn't be happening. So give yourselves a round of applause. Our first celebration started off with, um, I think it was a potluck, and there were probably 25 people, and I think they were all members of the uh, planning committee. So, that's how far we've advanced. I really appreciate everyone being here today. Uh, it's a weekday, 
So unfortunately, uh, you know, most of us probably had to, you know, give up something to be here today. But that is very special, and uh, certainly we realize that that's uh, a privilege for us for you to do that. So we appreciate that. We have a pretty full agenda today. Uh, we're going to do some things a little bit differently than what we've done in the past. For instance, we're going to have people eating earlier. Oh, no, no one cares. And we have something pretty special this time because we have Nathan hot dogs this time. I mean, Nathan's. I mean, they're, they're involved in like the, uh, the eating contest. So uh, hopefully no one will try that here today. But in the event you do, okay. I want to recognize uh, any VIPs that we have in the audience today. Uh, would any VIPs raise your hands? I should see every hand out here going up. If you have a governmental office or political office, please raise your hand. All right. I want to say that the state assembly, the, the local state assembly, the city council, the county board are, are all out here. These are your representatives, and we are yes. grateful for them, yes. and we are grateful for the city of Eau Claire and the county of Eau Claire's support. Yes. And Eau Claire Police, as you can see, if you look behind you, University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire's Police, yes. and the city of Eau Claire's Police are all out here to be with the community and the party with us. Thank you. And Chippewa County is also represented in the house, too, I see. All right. At this time, I'm going to bring up Mark from uh, Representative uh, Ron Kine's office, and he's going to give us a few words. Mark. Thank you, Burl. Good evening and happy Juneteenth. Uh, I'll be brief since I wasn't listed on the program for this evening, but uh, Ron is stuck in Washington today, but it's my honor to be here on his behalf. He wanted me to be here to show his support and solidarity as we gather as a community to celebrate Juneteenth and the struggle for freedom and justice. Uh, unfortunately for many people throughout the country, the Civil War is an ongoing battle. It's not over yet for a lot of people, and we continue to see racism rear its ugly head throughout the country. But Ron wanted you to know that he will continue to be a friend and ally in Washington and here back in the district and will continue to be vigilant against the forces that want to take us backwards as a country. So on behalf of Congressman Kine, thanks for the opportunity to be here and happy Juneteenth. Thank you. I would like to introduce the Reverend Canon Aaron Zook. Father Zook is an Episcopal priest um, in Chippewa Falls. He also works on behalf of the Bishop of the Diocese of Eau Claire. Please welcome Reverend Zook. Thank you. I want to thank everybody for coming out. This is my daughter. I'm not sure what she has to add. But, um, this is, I, I think, the third or fourth year that I've come down for the Juneteenth celebration here. And I'm always sort of struck by the same thing by the diversity of the people who show up for this event, the people from all sorts of backgrounds that are representing all sorts of different groups and causes, and I'm sort of struck with two different thoughts at the same time. And one of them is a, a really negative thought, because a part of it is that I see people out here who are representing all the different institutions and groups that over many, many years have been responsible in in allowing certain forms of oppression and repression 
to endure, to grow, to get worse and worse and worse. And so there's a sense where I look at this incredibly diverse crowd, myself included, and I think shame on all of us, right? Shame on all of us for representing institutions like governmental systems that systematically allowed oppression to not only exist but to grow, to churches of various denominations who were complicit in all sorts of oppression going all the way back to slavery in the earliest of biblical times and all the way forward. I look at groups that make their have made their living historically by using tactics like fear-mongering to get us to distrust and dislike each other for reasons that have nothing to do with us as individuals. And so in that sense, I look at this sea of faces that all look so drastically different, and I'm sort of struck with a, a pit of guilt and a pit of anger. But at the same time, I'm also struck with something else, and that's this idea that each one of us individuals who stand here today who have been here in previous years, who will come again in following years, and most importantly are standing here today, are here not just to celebrate Juneteenth in and of itself. That's a good enough reason for us to come together, but that's not the main reason that most of us are here. The main reason most of us are here is because we are looking today and tomorrow to make up for yesterday by meeting people face to face, eye to eye, heart to heart, and not letting their history, whether it's a history they chose and fully acted into or a history they were born into, define the way that we relate to them. We are a unified human race. And the more times that we can come together like this, representing all of those flawed institutions and say my part in that institution is not going to play along anymore. The more we can gather together under that banner the closer we will come to being back where we were when we started, when we were created to be perfect, to be in perfect harmony with each other as individuals and as a corporate group. And so, all of that said, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together and to share in each other's company, to share in each other's angst and fear and sadness, and to share in our communal joy moving forward one step at a time in the image that you have left for us. We ask, Father, that you would be with us in our hearts and minds, that you would guide every step, every decision that we make with each other, that we might see each other in the way that you see us, as perfect parts of your creation, meant for the best of what you could imagine for any of us. We ask, Father, that you would guide us in this, to remind us to see each other the way you see us. And all of this we ask, that we might grow into the perfection for which you created us, that we might truly be children who are heirs of your graces. And all of this we ask for your sake. Amen. Okay, we're going to do something a little different this year. Usually we would have the speeches and then feed you. This year we're going to take a chance. We're going to feed you first. So let's start eating. I'm going to give you all about 15 minutes to eat because I know people in Eau Claire are efficient. This is not Louisiana. And then we will have the General Granger letter and we will have the speakers. And after that... 
we will have Irie Soul, and we will have the party in the park. So, Salika Duxworth-Lawton lined us up for a quick meal, but soon we got back to the speakers. I'll pick and choose a few of the highlights, given that we only have time to share about half of the program from the evening in our Spirit in Action broadcast. You may well have been to the Juneteenth celebration in your area, and maybe you also had dynamic, inspirational speakers, so your cup may already be full to overflowing. Let's jump now to a presentation by Terry Weld, Eau Claire's City Council President, as he reads a proclamation for the event. After a few comments by Sleeka Duxworth-Lawton, we'll jump to the reading of the Emancipation Proclamation, read by three teens. Then, one more presentation, and then we'll take a break. Here is Terry Weld. Thank you. And again, welcome to all of you that are joining us here this evening. It's nice to see the sun. Uh, Nice to see so many faces. Uh, Before I get started, I just want to recognize a couple of our council members that are here uh, this evening. Council Member Worthman, uh, Council Member Beaton, Council Member Berge, Council Member Gregert. Thank you for being here with us. You know, one of the things that I enjoy most about this role as City Council President is opportunities like these, to be able to speak and talk about our city, you know, the city of Eau Claire and the great people that live here. And so I, I feel confident and, and know and believe sincerely that, that we are welcoming and accepting and caring community. And, and I know that as our community continues to grow, that we will be mindful of that in the future as well. So with great pride, I'd like to read to you a proclamation as follows. Whereas Juneteenth is the oldest known celebration commemorating the Emancipation Proclamation, the document which ended slavery in the United States. And whereas June 19, 1865, is recorded in history as a date when word of the Emancipation brought freedom to the last remaining slaves in the country. And this important event in the United States has now grown into a global celebration which encourages self-development and appreciation for all races and cultures. And whereas Uniting Bridges Incorporated, with the help of many area organizations and community members, has organized a celebration at Carson Park in Eau Claire on Wednesday, June 19th, to heighten awareness of this important observance and to provide an opportunity for all people of our community to get together and share in a day of food and fun and an atmosphere of respect and inclusion. And whereas this celebration marks the 19th annual Juneteenth celebration in the city of Eau Claire. Now therefore, the City Council of the City of Eau Claire hereby proclaims Wednesday, June 19th, 2019 as Juneteenth Day in the city of Eau Claire and encourages all residents to join in recognizing this day in unity, freedom and opportunity and to honor the diversity of all racial and ethnic groups in our community. Thank you. Thank you. Juneteenth was started by freed people in 1867 to celebrate the freeing of enslaved people by General Granger's U.S. Army troops. The slave owners would not tell enslaved people that they were free. And all throughout the Civil War, wherever the Union Army went, wherever the U.S. Army went, because when we teach American history, we sometimes forget to say the Union Army. 
is the U.S. Army. And it's the only army that has fought under this American flag. Wherever the U.S. Army went, enslaved people flocked to them. Over 100,000 African-American men joined the U.S. Army to provide the margin for leadership. Even today, for multicultural people, the U.S. Army provides a leg up into the middle class and provides a stepping stone into a better life. Here, and I w want to point out that Juneteenth was started by military veterans, especially in the U.S. Army. And U.S. Army veterans not only gave us Juneteenth, they gave us a civil rights movement that allows us to stand here today. It was women who organized in the streets and veterans who helped to lead that movement. The reason why African Americans have the vote nationwide came from U.S. Army veterans. It is my pleasure to introduce Major Jared Cyverling, who is the scholarship and enrollment officer for the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire Army Reserve Officer Training Corps Program. I will say his program has put out some of the best cadets I have ever worked with. And if you're listening to Converge Radio, they put out a program on the secret war that is definitely worth a listen to, especially their lessons learned. Thank you, ma'am. Attention to orders. The people of Texas are informed that, in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves. And the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that of employer and hired labor. The freedmen are advised to remain quietly at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. Headquarters District of Texas, Galveston, June 19th, 1865. Thank you, I need the young ladies with the Emancipation Proclamation. January 1st, 1863. That on the first day of January, in the year of our Lord, 1863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States, shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. The executive government of the United States, including mil the military and naval authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons and will do no act or acts to repress such persons or any of them in any efforts they may make for their actual freedom. The executive will, on the first day of January aforesaid, by proclamation designate the states and parts of states, if any, in which the people thereof, respectively, shall then be in rebellion against the United States. And the fact that any state or the people thereof shall on that day be in good faith represented in the Congress of the United States by members chosen thereto at elections wherein a majority of the qualified voters of such state shall have participated shall in the absence of strong countervailing testimony be deemed conclusive evidence that such state and the people thereof are not then in rebellion against the United States. Now, therefore, I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, by virtue of the power in me, vested as Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy of the United States, 
in time of actual armed rebellion against the authority and government of the United States, and as a fit and necessary war measure for suppressing said rebellion, do, on this first day of January, in the year of our Lord, 1863, and in accordance with my purpose to do so publicly, proclaimed for the full period of 100 days from the day first above mentioned, order and designate as the states and parts of the states wherein the people thereof respectively. Are this day in rebellion against the United States, the following to wit, Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, except the parishes of St. Bernard, Plaquemines, Jefferson, St. John, St. Charles, St. James, Assumption, Terrebonne, Lafourche, St. Mary, St. Martin, and Orleans, including the city of New Orleans. Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia, except the 48 counties designated as West Virginia, and also the counties of Berkeley, Accomack, Northampton, Elizabeth City, York, Princess Anne, and Norfolk, including the cities of Norfolk and Portsmouth, and which accepted parts are for the present left precisely as if this proclamation were not issued. And by the virtue of the power, and for the purpose aforesaid, I do order and declare that all persons held as slaves within said designated states and parts of states are and henceforward shall be free, and that the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authorities thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of said persons. And I hereby enjoin upon the people so declared to be free to abstain from all violence, Unless in necessary self-defense, and I recommend to them that, in all cases, when allowed, they labor faithfully for reasonable rages, and I further declare and make known that such persons of suitable condition will be received into the armed services of the United States to garrison forts, positions, stations, and other places, and to men vessels of all sorts in said service. And upon this act, sincerely believed to be an act of justice warranted by the Constitution upon military necessity, I invoke the considerate judgment of mankind in the gracious favor of Almighty God. In witness whereof I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. Dawn at the city of Washington, this first day of January, in the year of our Lord, 1863, and of the independence of the United States of America, the 87th, by the President Abraham Lincoln, William H. Seward, Secretary of State. And I am calling Representative Emerson to the stand. I have an announcement. Want to make a difference this summer? Runners, walkers, volunteers, and modern-day abolitionists alike are invited to join us for an evening of fun and fitness during the 12th annual Just Us for Justice Run Walk on Wednesday, July 24, 2019 at Carson Park in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. 100% of the proceeds from the Run Walk will go to Fierce Freedom, a local nonprofit that fights human trafficking and exploitation through education and victim support. Where's Fierce Freedom? Who can, you can talk to them over here. So it's my pleasure to introduce Representative Jody Emerson, who is another phenomenal woman. She is in her first year as our representative, having taken over from Dana Walks, and won a primary against a number of wonderful people, which tells you how impressive she is. 
She has been a part of Fierce Freedom, and now she fights for all of our freedom. Thank you, Representative Embers. Thank you very much. Okay, so Salika told me I had 10 minutes, and so in true politician fashion, I figured I needed to write it out, or you guys would be here for hours. So good evening, friends and neighbors, and thank you, Uniting Bridges, for once again putting on this phenomenal event. The theme of today's event is racial unity. And I have to admit, when I was looking at writing my speech, I was really struggling with this a lot. I mean, how do I, as a white woman, talk about racial unity, and I really struggled with that. How do I come to this event celebrating the legal freedom of slaves and not sound false, fake, or tone deaf? Growing up in Eau Claire, I was constantly surrounded by people who looked and talked like I was. So how do I speak about racial unity? I think the first step towards any kind of unity is seeing the problem. Acknowledging that there is a divide in our community, our state, and our nation. And according to the Annie E. Casey Foundation study, Wisconsin is literally the worst place to raise a black child in this country. It ranks 37th for Asian children. Wisconsin has the highest maternal mortality rate for black women. Black people are incarcerated at rates higher than any other race. And if you want proof of that, I urge you to just spend some time at one of the correctional centers. I visited Stanley Correctional Facility a little while ago, and other than the staff, I was the only white person in the room. Seeing the, the problem is our first step, but we need to do more. At a recent event in the Wisconsin State Capitol, celebrating the 100th anniversary of Wisconsin ratifying the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote, we didn't whitewash the event. We acknowledged that 100 years ago, not all women received the right to vote. It took us several years to get women of color and Native women the right to vote. Acknowledging those gaps didn't take away from the accomplishment that we celebrated that day. We still need to celebrate those accomplishments, but we also need to push and get more and do more. To achieve unity, we must see the divide. We must acknowledge the problem and then we need to roll up our sleeves and get to work. But how do we fix a problem as big as racial unity? I think the best way to do it is to start by doing what us Midwestern folks do best. Talk. Be friendly. Reach out to others. Build community. Do exactly what we're doing here right now. The best way to break through barriers is by getting to know the person on that other side of the barrier. A new person moves into your neighborhood, Go introduce yourself. You have a new coworker? Ask them if you can sit with them at lunch. Break through these barriers. Get to know them as people. You know, say hi to the people that you're walking past. Those who are walking their dogs or working in their gardens or doing whatever. Acknowledge them. Reach out. Building community is the best way to knock down barriers. But building community only goes so far. Saying hello to your neighbor doesn't solve all of our problems. There are systemic changes that need to happen in order for us to all have a shot at the American dream. Here in Eau Claire, 47% of our neighbors are considered working poor. 47% of our community is living paycheck to paycheck at best. 47% of our friends are one minor crisis away from being homeless. 
And that crisis could be a medical bill. It could be a flat tire. It could be an illness that makes you miss work for a week. Saying hi to your neighbor doesn't fix that problem. We need changes with our housing, not only in Eau Claire, but throughout our state. Every person deserves a safe and affordable place to live. Tenant rights are terrible in this state, and that needs to change. No person should be afraid of losing their lease because they had to call the police for help for a domestic abuse situation. It should not happen. And we need to make changes to our economy. Statistically, people should be doing great. Our stock market is booming. Unemployment is at low levels. Every business is talking about how they're struggling to find workers. This should be the golden age of the worker. But yet people are struggling. Unemployment is so low because people are having to take two jobs to make ends meet. Whether people are white, black, or brown, they are struggling in our community and our state, and that needs to change. The zip code you were born into shouldn't impact where you end up in life, but unfortunately it does right now. A school funding formula that is based on property values of the community it serves is no way to run public education. Every child deserves great education, regardless of their zip code. Yes. yes. And we are fortunate in this community to have great teachers and wonderful staff, but not every district in this state is as lucky as we are. That needs to change. None of this can change with just one person. Systemic changes take time, but it also takes people. People who are willing to use the voice that we have and demand better from our leaders. Right now, I'm working with one of my Senate colleagues from another part of the state on a package of bills that will hopefully allow people to use their voices to, man to demand better from their leaders. We need more voices heard. We need more people involved and invested in their communities. And I hope to share more with you about this in the next couple of weeks. We're really close to announcing it, but not quite there. Juneteenth is a time for us to reflect on where we have come as a nation, but I want to challenge you to think about where we need to go. We can build a better community, a better state, a better nation, and a better world, but only if we all work together. As Eleanor Roosevelt said, pit race against race, religion against religion, prejudice against prejudice, divide and conquer. We must not let that happen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for standing for freedom. We all rise when we rise together. Thank you. Thanks to Wisconsin State Representative Jody Emerson for that energizing speech and to Salika Duxworth-Lawton, Burl Middleton, and the other members of Uniting Bridges of Eau Claire who organized this year's Juneteenth celebration locally. And thanks to Scott Morfitt of Converge Radio for recording it. We'll hear a couple more people and then some music by Erie Soul. But first, I want to remind you that this is Spirit in Action on the web at northernspiritradio.org. Links and names and a lot more info on that website. A place for comments, the two-way communication enhancer, you know, and a beautiful little donate button so you can make sure Northern Spirit Radio goes on and forward. We depend on you. 
but hopefully we're second place on your donating dance card. And that, in first place, is your local community radio station. Here in Eau Claire, we've got WHYS, and we've got Converge Radio, just two among the 40-some stations nationwide carrying Norton Spirit Radio programs, and they need your help, both your hands and your wallet. So please dig in and give generously to make sure the unique local news and music they convey will continue. Now, back to our Spirit in Action visit to the 2019 Juneteenth celebration in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, hopefully mirroring the kind of thing you're celebrating wherever you're hearing this broadcast, via stations in Houston, Texas, or Lopez Island, Washington State, or Kabul, Missouri, or Jamestown, New York, all around the country. I'm kind of skipping and hopping through the wonderful presenters of the evening since we have time for only about half in this show. I'll turn you back over to Salika Duxworth-Lawton to introduce the keynote speaker. It is my pleasure to introduce our keynote, Sarah Ferber, Assistant Director of Expo for the State of Wisconsin. In the... 100th year of women's right to vote, women lead us, and we have had an incredible set of phenomenal women and phenomenal men who support women's equality here today, and Sarah is one of the best. I admire her strength, I admire her purpose, I admire her organization, I admire her power. She fights for the most marginal among us who are formerly incarcerated people. And I say it that way because we need to be people first. And they are people. And in a day where plea bargains and many innocent people to jail, we need to keep that front and foremost. So she's going to talk about how we can make this community better. Sarah Ferber. Thank you all so much. So before I begin, I would like to acknowledge the Ojibwe and the Lakota people whose land we are occupying. As a descendant of colonized settlers, I give honor to the Ojibwe and Lakota people, their genocide, struggle, and most importantly, their unwavering resilience. Good afternoon, everyone. As Salika said, my name is Sarah Ferber. For those of you who don't know, I'm the Associate Director of Expo. And EXPO stands for Ex-Incarcerated People Organizing. This is a statewide organization aiming to end mass incarceration in the state of Wisconsin. I'll share a little bit more about myself later, but I will say I feel very honored as a white woman to be here today as a keynote speaker at a celebration about the day that slavery was ended, announced in the, in the state of Texas. So I, I feel very excited that so many people came out on this beautiful June afternoon to celebrate this a holiday that many people don't even know about. In fact, I didn't know about it until just a few years ago. I want to preface my speech with a little bit of a disclaimer. We are here to celebrate today, but I'm an advocate deep within my bones, and I would be remiss to waste this chance to push you all to act. What I share today may make some people uncomfortable. When I first start, started learning our true history of the U.S. and started unpacking my own implicit bias, I was very uncomfortable myself, and I still am on a regular basis. Without discomfort, there is no growth. I know you are all here today because you believe diversity and differences are what make our community a better place to live. 
In order to keep progressing, we must face the truth of our past and our present. Slavery as we knew it did end in 1865. It did end in 1865 as we knew it. It may have changed, but people of color are still fighting to be treated with the same dignity and respect as other people in the U.S. They have fought through Jim Crow laws, and now mass incarceration, more commonly known as prison, is a new form of slavery. It is no accident that people of color are disproportionately affected by incarceration. In fact, the first police in this country were slave catchers. Detectives, police, jails, and prisons use Willie Lynch slavery techniques to this day, but more about that a little bit later. When civil rights activists make two steps forward, voting rights for example, they get pushed one step back, invasive policing and drug war, and the drug war. There are people, or I guess in today's world, corporations that benefit from lots of people being locked up in prisons. People in prisons are working for pennies, and there are businesses that are running their entire operations on that labor. Not to mention that outrageous costs of phone calls, canteen, online visits, and the newest thing, ankle monitoring, are all things that people are profiting off of. I want to share a few things about myself. Anybody who's heard me speak know that I share some personal information when I speak. I grew up in a very small town. I had very little exposure to, of, of people in, of color, but I did know that treating people differently because of the color of their skin was wrong. I had people in my family who were outwardly racist, and I remember knowing that they were wrong in their beliefs. My point in saying this is they bought into the dominant narrative that black people were dangerous, but I was more open-minded for some reason. Without getting into too many nitty-gritty details, I experienced substance use disorder starting in my adolescence, which eventually led me into contact with the justice system in my late 20s. During my active use, I recall feeling protected by people of color, namely black men, and being victimized by white men. I share this because these experiences went against what the media, society, and some of my family members told me, basically against the thug narrative. I paid attention to those things. The first time I spent any significant time in jail, I learned firsthand how racial disparities played out in our justice system. In jail with me was an African-American woman about the same age. Similar prior conviction histories. My charges were maintaining a drug trafficking place in possession of, in with intent of seven pounds of marijuana. Her charges, fraud for a $600 payroll check. Based on those charges, I felt that I deserved to go to prison more than she did. But that's not what happened. I watched her get sentenced to two years in prison while I got into treatment court and, and released back into the community. The craziest part about that story was that it was not my last arrest. I had some more run-ins with the law over the years, still struggling through my active substance use disorder, and still getting the best possible outcome in the justice system. I say all this to say my experience with our legal justice system is exactly how it could be, how it should be for everyone. Why was this other woman not deemed worthy of any treatment court or any other option besides prison? There seems to be only one obvious reason. I'll let you guess what that was. Michelle Alexander is a lawyer, activist, and author of the book, The New Jim Crow. In this book, she discusses how when the various civil rights movements led by African Americans make progress in this country, the system switch things up and come at them from different angles. We see this also in the 13th Amendment in the Constitution, which states, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for the crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States. Basically, what happened in the South is everything became a crime. This way, the plantation owners could continue to keep their workers coming. There are several examples of this in her book, and I strongly urge you to read it if you haven't already. Over the past several years, I have done lots of work to educate myself to learn the U.S. history I was not taught in high school. It all began in Salika's African-American history class, where she lays out how intentional it was to separate poor whites from enslaved blacks and the indigenous people of this land. 
I woke up to see the same narrative playing out today, and I cannot go back to sleep on it. The major issues we see happening in our communities, drugs, crime, violence, they're all a result of this rift that was started over 400 years ago. I had the privilege of traveling on the civil rights pilgrimage with Jody T. Singh Ritter's UW-Eau Claire class, which was an all-around life-changing experience. But there was one particular experience that I want to share with anyone who will listen, so I'm going to share it with you today. We participated in a slavery reenactment in Selma, Alabama, which was very realistic and reminded me very much of another experience I've had. First, she lined us all up. She separated us out from our friends and family. She used degrading interviewing tactics to get us to turn against each other. She gave us numbers. She took away our names. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Well, it sounded familiar to me. It's exactly like being arrested and going to jail. So, it reminded me of another thing I learned in Salika's class, that the first police officers in this country were actually slave catchers, like I mentioned before. Is that a coincidence? I mean, I don't know if it's a coincidence, but I know I'm not comfortable with our policing system having been built off of the Willie Lynch model of slavery, that's for sure. So, is it okay? I believe that it's okay for us to say, you know what, this isn't working, let's scrap it out and try something new. But the only way that that will happen, like Jody said, when we the people come together and stand up and say, enough is enough. I know that most of the folks that are working within our government are good people who got into the work to try to help. But changing these systems from within without the push from the outside is not going to work. It's on us, the community, to make it happen. So when I very first started thinking about what I was going to say today, I decided to search on Twitter Juneteenth. Has anybody ever done that before? So it made, me, it made me pretty mad, which I guess isn't that hard, but it made me pretty angry. So I'm going to quote some of the stuff I found on Twitter. So start quote, WTF is Juneteenth. I'm so confused. Why is this in my calendar? End quote. Start quote, what the literal F is Juneteenth and why is it permanently etched into my calendar? End quote. Start quote, I just may be uneducated, but can someone please explain why Apple has Juneteenth in my calendar and what exactly is a Juneteenth? So kudos to, to Apple for forcing all the privileged white kids to learn what Juneteenth is. Hopefully they went and Googled Juneteenth to figure it out. Honestly, like I said before, I didn't know what it was either until three years ago when I decided to go to school to figure it, you know, not for that reason, but I did figure it out consequently in the process. But I say, let's change this, right? Let's change this and make sure that this is a common knowledge thing for people. This is a, a major part of our history of this country. So the 4th of July, so that's the major Independence Day that everybody knows about, right? If you ask anybody what 4th of July is, we know. And that became a federal holiday in 1941. So most of the country probably thinks it's always been a federal holiday, but it hasn't. So also in 1941, World War II happened. So that was a bit of a strategic move, wouldn't you think? They did that to bring the country together. So this is for the white folks out in the crowd. I say, why don't we start looking internally? Instead of like worrying about the wars on the outside, why don't we look at the wars that have happened right here within our borders? the genocide of indigenous people that have happened within our borders, and think about changing Columbus Day across the whole country to Indigenous People Day. Think about making Juneteenth a federal holiday, right? These are things that we can do because they decided to make Independence Day a federal holiday, right? We can do this stuff, you guys, if we make this our collective goal. Again, indigenous people, African-American people, they've been knocking on the door, even pounding for 400 years, asking to be part of our community. 
And we're here today because we believe and we know that all of us together are stronger, more beautiful, smarter. Simply put, we're greater together, right? We're greater together. There may be lots more people who are unaware of Juneteenth, but let's change that because it's a day that we all need to be celebrating. So as Jody said, how do we do this? We get to know each other, right? We get to know each other. and We have those uncomfortable conversations, not only with people who look different, but with our uncle that has really radical beliefs that are on, you know, the not so gr- the, the side that are maybe have discussions with people who think differently than you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. With your family, you know, and all of that stuff, and, and, and ha- about the true history of our nations. Get to know people and have those conversations, and let's make sure that everybody feels like they're a part of this country. Thank you, and have a great night. Let's party! Wow, what a beautiful pouring forth from Sarah Ferber, Associate Director of Chippewa Valley Expo, speaking at the 2019 Juneteenth Celebration in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. There's a woman who knows whereof she speaks. and She does it with such clarity, simplicity, and assurance. There was some more talking and recognitions, a lot of thank yous. But then the Juneteenth gathering got down to some music on the theme. I've interviewed at least one member of Erie Soul for my Song of the Soul program. And you'll hear Joel Pache up front. But I want to turn the mic back over to UW Eau Claire, Professor of History, Salika Duxworth Lawton, to introduce the band. Another way to deliver the message of peace and love and healing through music and feeling it in our bones. Over to you, Salika. Without further ado, let me introduce the one the only, the fabulous, Iris Soul. differences in our world and in the community we live in. Ready for Irish Soul up here tonight? Come on, let me hear you again. You are in for Irish Soul. Come on. Yeah. Rastafari, live still live in the spirit.
I really do feel bad for you that I can't share the full pouring forth of spirit healing music that Erie Soul donated to the participants of the 2019 Juneteenth celebration. But I'm going to give you one more piece of the extended jam that Erie Soul did for all present and now for you too. Though I can't get the full thing in this broadcast, I can at least leave you a sizable, delectable hunk of their music, some here right now, but another hunk on the NordenSpiritRadio.org website. You just come to NordenSpiritRadio.org and under the Spirit in Action program, you'll find the Juneteenth program where you'll find a few bonus excerpts. One of those bonus excerpts is a portion of the Eerie Soul Jam where you get to know about a few members of the band more individually. But here's a taste of some more of their jazz, rap, reggae, totally their own flavor, music, drawing on and leading up to a classic song, Mercy, 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 performed by Eerie Soul after some jam-packed jamming and one-loving Before your very eyes make some noise of Samuel de Mirage, we're going to visualize a world without lies. We are Irish Soul. We are so grateful to be here tonight. I was talking to Gloria earlier, and Gloria said, hey yo, Gloria in Excelsis Deo. She said, her revelation across this nation is love. She said, L-O-V-E, across this nation, that is a representation without manipulation, only for the purity of the feeling. Can we scratch that ceiling? Now, Juneteenth, I need y'all to sing with me. I'm going to need to hear you sing out there. Can y'all sing? Say one love. Say one love. Say one heart. Say one love. Say one love. Say one love. Say one heart. Oh, I love y'all so much. All right, we're going to take it back with a jazz classic. We're going to open a door to the past to give some mercy, mercy, mercy.
There was more to that eerie soul magical music flow at the 2019 Juneteenth celebration in Eau Claire, pulled together by Uniting Bridges of Eau Claire. I've got links to some of the participants on the NordenSpiritRadio.org website, like Salika Duxworth-Lawton and Burl Middleton of Uniting Bridges, or others like Jody Emerson and Sarah Ferber, and also the band Irie Soul. You can find them on NordenSpiritRadio.org. And there are some wonderful bonus excerpts on the website also. Among them, a six-minute jam by Erie Soul that just wouldn't fit in your radio, but you can hear it on our site. Remember to pass on the info and the sentiment of Juneteenth to the folks you know, and together we can do some much-needed world healing and world growing. And again, thanks to Scott Morfitt of Converge Radio, and we'll see you all next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. Oh